Hey, what's up everyone? This is Chris. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. I've been sharing words from this amazing book, Conflict Equals Energy, because the practice of authentic relating has been so powerful in my life. And I will hopefully share some more personal accounts of how it's impacted me in coming episodes. But for now, I'm going to jump right into chapter two, Embodiment. And again, the book is Conflict Equals Energy by Jason Diggs. If you want to know more about my other podcasts, please hop over to projectivity.com. So I'm going to read from this chapter, and I actually want to start with a concept that's at the end of the chapter, because I really love how it sounded, and I think it will set the tone for what comes in this very brief chapter. So here's the paragraph. The more we are attuned to our experience of the here and now, the more energy we will have for manifesting our vision in the world. The more we can hold dignity and know our voice matters, the more we will also be able to hold humility and truly listen to others when they differ from us. The more we value our relationships and belonging, the more time and emotional energy we will devote to being authentically ourselves. This concept of the more, the more is one worth remembering to help us understand the value in both poles of a polarity. So that was the last chapter, and now here we go. Chapter 2, Embodiment. Knowledge is just a rumor until it lives in the muscle. That's a saying from Papua New Guinea. In many ways, this book is a type of emotional resilience fitness guide, filled with workouts and stretches to help strengthen and soften your heart and mind. Your physical tissues, all the bones, muscles, organs, and blood, are the territory of this journey because they are so entwined with our hearts and minds. In some far out way, intelligence literally inhabits different parts of our physical form and authentic relating reconnects us to our bodies and all of the important information stored there. In our study of embodiment, we'll start by considering another polarity that can produce tremendous energy, that between vision and embodiment. We'll consider vision first and then spend the bulk of this chapter understanding the nuances of embodiment. Vision, imagining a new world. Simply put, our vision is our imagination. Whatever we can dream up with our ideas and creativity. This is the realm of insight and possibilities. To open our minds wide enough to embrace both sides of a polarity is a creative act. Stretching our ability to encompass multiple perspectives can generate new insights and possibilities, but we cannot see the benefit of these understandings until we learn to translate them into action. We tend to lack trust for creative people who never produce anything from their ideas, those who seem to be all talk and no follow-through. Sometimes we may even feel as if such individuals lack substance, like they're not all there. These people are all vision and no embodiment. They have not mastered holding both sides of this particular polarity. How might we avoid being one of these types? How do we create what we dream of and bring our ideas into the shared material world? We must learn to harness the energy of both vision and embodiment by living in the balance point between the two. 
We'll circle back to this important concept of the balance point in a few pages. First, let's discuss the other half of this equation, embodiment, creating a new world. When we are embodied, we are here in the present moment, more in touch with ourselves and more available to others. We are in tune with our surroundings, active and aware, yet relaxed and responsive as well. There are many ways to phrase this concept, being grounded, feeling ourselves in our bodies, or centered, to name a few. If you're familiar with the concept of being present, the definitions above probably sound quite familiar, but the question remains, how do we grow this sense of presence? Of course, we're not always embodied. Anytime we slip into daydream, ruminating over an annoyance at a coworker, or worry about the coming days, we're drifting away from our fully embodied experience. While some downtime from full embodiment may be necessary for proper rest and integration, a lack of embodiment and grounded behaviors can have a negative impact on our relationships. If you've ever heard or said something like, you aren't listening to me, or he's just not present with me, that's a good indicator that at least in that moment, a lack of embodiment was affecting the relationship. Those who practice embodiment regularly have a certain solidness about them and are more able to bring the full array of their intelligence to serve their desires. Becoming aware of our physical bodies and the sensations that arise within is the act of embodiment. And when we intentionally expand our embodiment skills, we grow our capacity to be present with our internal experience. This allows us to listen to others more deeply, pay attention more fully, and to offer those we're listening to more of ourselves in a supportive way. While this may not come as a surprise, it's worth emphasizing that increasing our level of embodiment can have a massively positive impact during conflict. When we can transform intense emotions in a difficult conversation by feeling them fully and stating them with calm acceptance, we increase our capacity for emotional resilience. Control of our nervous system grows each time we can remain constructive in our communication during a tense moment. This skill is vital for good relationships. When we are embodied, we are better able to feel, sort through, and process our emotions via physical sensations. This ability to delay the gratification of immediate expression in favor of the long-term gratification of effective action is one important aspect of emotional intelligence phrase coined by the science journalist Daniel Goleman. We will talk much more about the importance of emotional intelligence and resilience and how to develop them in part two and three of this book. The balance point. Now that we have a solid grasp on a few different polarities and their importance, let's talk about bringing them together in harmony. The balanced point between vision and embodiment exists when we are connected to the sensations of this present moment and to a possibility for the future, at the same time. This allows us to be in touch with our values here and now, while steering ourselves solidly toward the vision for our lives. So the balance point between vision and embodiment is what gives us the energy to turn our vision into a physical reality, or as the saying from Papua New Guinea goes, knowledge is just a rumor until it lives in the muscle. When we embody something, we become it. Day by day, we become the vision we have for our lives, 
when we live in this balance point. As we flesh out a couple of other polarities throughout this book, we can get in touch with the abundant energy at the balance point of each one. Remember, in any polarity, these forces are always dynamically moving. You aren't going to find yourself at exactly 50% of each pole over time. Instead, a polarity fluctuates, and we can learn to surf those changes in energy. The more we are attuned to our experience of the here and now, the more energy we will have for manifesting our vision in the world. The more we can hold dignity and know our voice matters, the more we will also be able to hold humility and truly listen to others when they differ from us. The more we value our relationships and belonging, the more time and emotional energy we will devote to being authentically ourselves. This concept of the more, the more is one worth remembering to help us understand the value in both poles of a polarity. AR Power Tool, The Body as Compass, or Let Me Check. In the tangle of all our conflicting needs and desires, and the expectations that the people we love may have of us, making decisions can sometimes feel impossible. In these situations, tuning into our thoughts can often confuse us further, as several voices within us may all speak up at once. But what if we really allowed ourselves to feel, trusting the compass of our bodies instead? When we are asked to make decisions, we often answer automatically. The invitation here is to pause first and check. In that pause, try imagining yourself on either side of the decision, noticing the sensations of your body as you do this. On one side, is there pain, a sense of weight or resistance? On another, is there an expansion or a sense of aliveness or peace? If the sensations you feel are mixed or unclear, you can always say, let me get back to you. When we don't pause or lack this trust in the guidance of our bodies, we can easily fill our lives up with shoulds and obligations. Answering others with, let me check, and tuning into our sensations is not only a form of honoring our own needs, it's also a practice of embodiment and a means of sharpening our self-understanding body intelligence. There is an intelligence in our bodies that is far more vast than anything our conscious mind is capable of. One of the most marvelous things about this system is its ability to absorb and assimilate new information. A study into the unconscious processing abilities of the human brain estimates that roughly 11 million pieces of information per second are absorbed by the unconscious mind. This number is even more unbelievable when compared to the estimate for conscious processing speeds of around 40 pieces per second. Yet even this astonishing statistic doesn't tell the whole story. Each cell of our body is surrounded by a cell membrane that perceives the environment and determines what passes in and out at the molecular level. The profound intelligence of these cells can't be grasped by the conscious mind. It's a superintelligence that lives in our bodies and speaks a different language. Yet by learning to be more embodied, we are learning to speak this language and to bridge the innate intelligence of our bodies with a symbolic language that makes up our cognitive, conceptual self. This universal translator of embodiment is the capacity to decipher our emotions and sensations into intelligent, choiceful actions. 
It allows our bodies, minds, and hearts to be in communication with each other. And the integration of all three is essential to the development of emotional intelligence. Embodiment and technology. As a last thought, let's consider the impact of technology on the general level of embodiment in the world today. Most of us don't even leave the house without our devices, miniature portals that transport our minds to someplace else. With more flicks of our fingers, we have access to every stimulating piece of information offered on the internet. We tap, swipe, and like our way through virtual worlds while absorbing comments from dozens or hundreds of other people interacting with the same content. By driving into the more mental world inside our phones, we easily lose touch with our more embodied experience. If we include laptops, tablets, televisions, and department store displays, we see that individually and collectively, our minds are constantly engaged in what must truly be considered a virtual reality. When our engagement is assigned to something other than what is happening in the physical world around us, we more easily become disengaged from our senses. It's little wonder then that so many of us struggle in relationships these days. We spend much of our time practicing disembodied behavior patterns. The drops of dopamine and emotional feedback we receive from the glow of our screens fill a function for social validation that would otherwise be met through embodied conversation. As a result, the ability to form deep connections in our human-to-human interactions may be stunted from our lack of use. Traditional ways of improving our capacities for embodied living include dance, yoga, sports, martial arts, etc. While these are a decent start, these activities aren't enough. With devices influencing more and more of our lives, we must all put in the time for embodiment through deliberate practice. And we must do this in our everyday actions and interactions. We need to slow down while in connection with others to reflect on what we are feeling, thinking, and wanting. We need to give ourselves the time to feel into our decisions and what is right for us individually so that we may authentically embody what is right for us collectively. The AR movement is at a critical tipping point. The world needs this work, perhaps now more than ever. As the influence of technology increases, being present to experience meaningful human connection is critical. Stay embodied. Stay human. And that wraps up this chapter. I will see you next time.